whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. When Tia Shearer Bassett was here to talk about Titanic, I learned that she majored in hope theory. We joined the conversation already in progress. Of this, of this set, yeah. I don't even know if that was actually the last thing that happened, but that was the last thing I saw, for well, sure. Well, if that's the last thing you remember, then that's yeah. sort of the last, like, <laughs> most important, the most yeah. important finale part to that. I want to ask you a little bit more about hope theory, though, if I may, because oh, I'm sort of fascinated. <laughs> what I remember. So what, yeah, well, that was basically, could you... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask a really big question, and if, if we can't answer it, I will, I'll ask you a more specific question. Sweet. I'll just edit out the big question. What is it? <laughs> what is hope um, theory? When I say that, I'm probably thinking mostly about um, Viktor Frankl mm-hmm. and Man's Search for Meaning. Um, which okay, I, so it is that kind of yeah okay. yeah I think he he called it lo, uh, logotherapy uh, but, but um, he created this um, uh, the therapy of meaning <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but the thing that he he <clears throat> noticed while he was in um, while he was in a concentration camp was that the people around him the prisoners who finally would um, who he felt would sort of succumb to the hopelessness. Mm-hmm. It would be once they learned some horrible news about loved ones that they were holding on to in their hearts, mm. right? So he he felt like he would watch. He would watch people just do what they had to do to get through the day, and they would make it until they heard something like um, the child or the wife or husband or mm-hmm. uncle that they thought Whoever was still alive out there yeah. was definitely dead. And then that was it. He would, you know, he would like a perp there. That was their purpose. And as long as they had that purpose, they could do the things that would help them to survive here. Mm -hmm. Um, But as soon as that purpose was, was gone, they had nothing else to hold on to. So why, why even try, Mm -hmm. you know, and he would just, as their spirits would die, then they're, that's it. Your, the body would follow. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he built this whole idea of hope theory and hope um i don't think he used those words that's what i'm putting on sort of a greater <laughs> I, yeah sure i i uh, studied him as part of a, a greater a greater philosophical yeah, yeah. um but or uh, but this idea of of um hope is a thing that actually keeps us alive it keeps mm-hmm. us living and wanting to live you know and it, it comes it's tied to meaning and feeling a purpose you know you also learn about like we in, in America have this very dangerous idea of retirement. You yes. know, we think like, we're oh, going to work until we can retire. And then it's going to be my language. a yes. beautiful world, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like the problem is when we do that, we often, uh, we lose our, our sense of purpose. But suddenly we, we, we don't have to work anymore. Uh, if we've had families, our kids are grown. Um, it is very easy to start to feel uh, unmoored mm-hmm. and like you're no longer part of a community. And... I remember learning about this thing, um, the blue zones. I yeah. learned about this on Oprah, but it was oh. fascinated by it. I don't watch it. I, I, yeah, I, don't yeah. know. I just happened to be, catch this episode and it stuck with me. But it's these, what, eight, eight, seven or eight places in the world where people live the longest, most consistently. Mm-hmm. So it's like got the most um, octogenarians and people hitting 100. Um, and the thing that all these, some of the things that all these places had in common were that people somehow kept working even after quote unquote retirement, you know, whether that meant like, um, you didn't do anything like retire (laughs) or, you know, you still, you had it, your job was something that was tied to the land or to your home. And so it was something that like still needed to be done. And so Mm -hmm. you did still do it or somehow you still have a place 
in your family, your community. Yeah, Yeah, you've got to be tied to something. And the thing, I think in America, we tend to like tie ourselves to our work and our workplaces. And maybe that's where the problem begins. I don't know. It's also the idea, something I've talked about on on the show before, but I, I, I think it's very important, is we in the West especially have a very goal oriented mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. view of things. If like, if we do this, then everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. It's that happily ever after syndrome of like, no, we just need to get this and that and this, and then it'll be good. Yes. And it's not oh. true. Yeah. And retirement is part of that. It's the idea of I just work and work and work and then I can stop and mm. then I can do all the things I want to do. And you don't realize sort of what you've built up behind that, like the mm. light, your, your, the, the habits and the importance you've attached to this other thing Ooh, yeah. that are subconscious in a lot of ways that only when it's yanked out from under you and you kind of wake up on, you know, you wake up on Monday with nothing to do and it hurts. Yeah. And yeah, um, which I'm only, I'm using those words, you might sound familiar to you because they're in the play that we worked on together because I was just doing rewrites on that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, yes, that yeah, did but, hit on that, that play beautifully. Yeah, it, there's the, there's this idea, yeah, that like we, we, we do the thing, it's kind of what, the play is called Sheila and Moby, it'll be out in the fall, is this uh, idea that you we work towards a thing and yeah. when we get the thing, then everything will be fine. And it is not true. It mm. is absolutely, I heard it's this. It's dangerous even. <laughs> very, it's very dangerous. Yeah. Fortuitously, this morning, actually, before you got here, I listened to, I don't know if you listened to Invisibilia, it's NPR podcast. No. It's really great. Highly recommend. Uh, they just came back uh, for their fourth season and the whole episode was on loss. And one of the things that you just said that that struck a chord with me is that somebody did a study of people who have, have lost and and depression mm. and uh one of the things they talk about in that is that this theory that we are all we tend to construct narratives out of our life with us at the center mm-hmm. and when a true tragedy happens it doesn't fit in with our version of our story mm. and he said uh, the person they interviewed talked about how people in those situations tend to use a lot of i statements like what did I do? How did like how could I have fixed this? What should I have done? Oh, wow. it, and how that is part of the grieving process, but it can also turn into this terrible spiral of depression Mm-mm. because you tend to end up then blaming yourself because if you're the protagonist and this terrible thing happened, it must be your fault. You didn't protect or whatever. It exactly is. right, yeah. or you didn't do whatever the thing is. You could have done something different to yeah. avert the tragedy. And this guy said, like what happens with healthy people or people who get help is they tend to then those I statements become we statements become they statements. And you can empathize and then distance yourself from the tragedy because you see it as part of a larger narrative, Mm -mm. not your story, but the world story. And you can contextualize it into this other thing. And that's what's really interesting to me about, though, this stuff we're talking about with death and with Mm -hmm. hope theory is it's – and what you just said like about – about the Holocaust is this I like this thing of like you see your st- yourself as the main character of the story and the story includes another person or mm-hmm. a thing you're living for and then when that gets yanked out of the story there's no more story for mm-hmm. you anymore and that's what's really interesting tying it back into the show mm-hmm. is this approach of like everyone has a story in the show and then the story literally hits an iceberg yeah <laughs> like it crashes into something and what we then have in act two or a lot of people reconciling their story with what's actually happening mm. in a kind of very mm. specific way. Mm. And it's a whole act. It's the whole, whole it is the whole act, act. Yeah. and it's deserving of the whole mm. yeah. uh, the whole act. Um 
I think if you did a whole show about that, that might be overwhelmingly sad. Oh, right. Yeah, uh, you, need, <laughs> you, need, you need to know what they're fighting for first. True. And, but you, and you also need moments of levity, like Absolutely. just in general. Oh, uh, yeah, because good. And I will say, Act 2, for being about a boat that's sinking and people dying, is not actually depressing and no i don't remember I, I don't remember that i don't remember like feeling <laughs> and, and i think it's because thing. yeah this sense of of the stories are very different we get yeah. lots of different oh, points yeah. of view and lots of different attitudes so what well, may feel a little like all over the place from as i'm describing it to you if you haven't heard it i think the moments are very important of resignation mm-hmm. anger romantic resignation like happy like, re- resi- like the, the song still we've talked about yeah is beautiful yeah and as an approach, and it wouldn't be mine probably, but it is a valid response mm. to like your the it, it it's it, it's that sense of like well our story like our story is together we are we are our story yeah and if we can't have that then that's it and I don't know if I hundred percent agree with that approach <laughs> but I recognize it as mm-hmm. a valid response to an unimaginable tragedy yeah. you know what I mean like in the moment who knows how we're all gonna respond and they respond i think very bravely i i I, again i don't think i'd do it but (laughs) kind of like i'd like my wife to go on living and you know all that you know what though you're my age that's true you know and they're very true 20 30 years beyond us yeah who knows who knows how they that's true that's very very true how they it is also a very different time i shouldn't i mean it's over 100 years ago and it would have been a very different experience for for ida without her husband mm-hmm. her her the limitations placed on her would have been much higher so I, I shouldn't put my own self on top of that but i wonder if there's also something in the hope theory with why we keep telling this story and mm-hmm. why we keep telling these stories over and over again is this idea of like it oddly with enough distance from it it does seem to be a rather hopeful story to me i don't know if you agree with that or not but it feels like good did come out of this tragedy right yeah and while the show doesn't touch on that and you know like it directly things changed the world changed because of this and it didn't happen again we didn't have a tragedy at sea like this that was purely natural but you know we had obviously world war one and world war two are right around the corner large tragedies were in front of us but they were all human on human design uh this was a a very unique circumstance of 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 nature rearing its head up and 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 really taking back from mankind and we haven't done a thing like that since i don't think we've ever had a moment of like we've built the thing and this is it like we're building tall buildings but we're not building like this is the ship that nobody's ever said it can't be sunk it can't fall down it can't do this (laughs) no everything can fall down (laughs) everything can sink at least they're not like putting that out there publicly anymore you know it's not labeled the the building that will never never collapse nothing bad will happen inside of this (laughs) uh ever you know we do kind of live in (laughs) And I know, I think in, in drama, we're especially averse to saying, like, nothing will go wrong. Oh, good gosh. God knows everything can go we're wrong. We're so superstitious. Well, yeah. But with cause. But with reason. With cause. <laughs> yeah. With cause. Uh, yeah, it, things happen in, in the world. Yeah. And um, even with all the best planning, I wonder how much of that, this thought just occurred to me, I wonder how much of that is because, in live theater especially, because every day, every performance, mm. the unknown variable of the audience is introduced oh, into yeah. the production. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I talk about uh, uh, <laughs> a career field that has to that like runs on hope, you know, <laughs> like 
<laughs> like it's not just like we're gonna do this and we're gonna get to edit it and then we're gonna put the best thing that we can out there like right. no nope. it's gotta be it's, it's gonna be what's gonna be <laughs> as close to best as it can every time no matter what happens so how did you end up i mean as a theater kid in high school did you think you were gonna do theater going forward after college or was there yeah. okay so how did you end up not at if you end up at like one of the theater schools <laughs> but you end up next door kind I of know. in a different which i totally <laughs> so respect mean. i think it's off is very you yeah i have to say yeah, none of, like i say none of that surprises that so me funny. what um what what why did you do that i so <laughs> explain yourself right, to you, right? <laughs> what's happening here so i found theater a lot later than i found the idea of college mm. so like theater came to me because of my friend becky in 10th grade who was like I seriously had no idea that I wanted to do this. And she was like, you you need one more elective. Come do drama. You'll love it. Mm-hmm. And Becky is a total scaredy cat on the stage. She would totally cop to that. But she it, she like went in and immediately found backstage world and loved that. Uh, so okay. she was like, but I think you'll like the stage stuff. You know, mm-hmm. come on. And I was like, I just did it because of her. <laughs> and then I loved it. I d- <laughs> seriously, it was that typical story of like, I did one monologue and was like, that is <gasps> so funny to me. <laughs> I will say, like, I, I do not know you well, as I say, but... That shocks me. Oh, that I didn't you, know. Yes, because you strike me as somebody who just like, not that you're like on all the time. You're one of the right, performer right. people. But theater is so much a part of mm. you, it, it seems to me, yeah. that it shocks me that you found it in the middle of high school. <laughs> not like, I, I, somebody's got to introduce you to it at some point. I'm just surprised yeah. it came to you. I'm not surprised if Becky yeah. said you'd like this because right. I totally get that. Well, I knew, I mean, storytelling was something I always loved. Yeah, that's I what I mean. I thought for a long time yeah. I was going to be a writer. That, and I've, I'm getting back to that, you know, mm-hmm. finding ways to add it, add it in and engage with it again, because I do love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I remember it being in, um, in third grade. I asked my dad what college was. And he told me it was, it was a school after high school that you can go to where you can learn whatever you want. And I wow. was so excited. That's and amazing. so I held on to that idea for years. That's a great, so that's Isn't a that great crazy? sentence. Yeah. I'm going to hold on to that. That's amazing. <laughs> and I couldn't wait. And so even once I found theater and once I started realizing like, oh, I actually want to do this with my life, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I I had this, um, I just had this notion that like I didn't, yes, I knew that I wanted to move forward with, with this now, but I felt like anything I learned was going to help me as a mm-hmm. theater artist. Oh, totally. You know, and I, I wasn't particularly drawn to musical theater, so I didn't, I've, I, I didn't sort of need to go forward with and learn how to dance and learn, you know, like right. those weren't things that interested me as much. I, I, I was more into straight plays. Um, and so I really thought maybe it was a little cocky, maybe not. I don't know, but I thought like, I would 18, rather learn, I'm startled. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, I would rather, I wanted to learn about anything, sure. you know, and then bring all that into storytelling, into like being, you know, uh, bringing different characters to life. And so I took this, I took my t- totally own path through college. And then once, you know, the detriment was once I got out, I was like, oh God, how do you audition? What do you right, wear? Right. What do you look like? Show me how, you know, but I like stole all this information well, from my friends who did that. go to Tish. Yeah, it's true. You, that's, you can learn that. It's true. And then really I learned how to be a professional actor on the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I eventually, I moved, I didn't stay in New York long after I graduated. I moved to Nashville, which is funny. I'm looking at your, oh, wow. <laughs> I see there's, the word Nashville, Nashville, right Nashville right now right, in your DVD Nashville, collection. Um, I moved there because I got a, I got my equity contract there with the Nashville Children's Theater and I fell in love with this town and like oh, with Nashville's its theater, com- right? Yeah, Thank you. A lot of people city. are like, wait, what? I'm like, oh, no, 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 no you don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. got this, it had this amazing artistic heart that like, you, there is no live one knows music about it outside. 
I remember we went to Nashville for a wedding. It was the first, actually the only time I've been there and I would love to go back. Mm. And there's live music everywhere. And when I yeah, say and everywhere, all kinds of music. I literally mean we went into a shoe store. <laughs> a small shoe store. It was on, a I don't know if it was on Broadway, store. but it was on a main drag. And it was a little shoe store. And there was a guy yes. in the corner playing guitar and singing <laughs> quietly, but he was like, and and he had a, there was a hat, and he that. was a really good musician. He was literally possibly a friend of mine, <laughs> and, but and possibly as somebody like who now you may have heard oh, yeah. of, like because Nashville is that place, and yeah, the the the. The live music you hear in Nashville is unlike anywhere. It's like this, like, if you go to the rinkiest, dinkiest theater in New York, you're going to see some pretty great acting. If you go to Nashville and go to the, like, the diviest dive bar, you're going to hear some (laughs) really good music because that's where they all are. And it injects, like you say, this really interesting energy into the city. It's just got a really, yeah, Nashville's great. Yeah. And there are, there's not a lot of theater there, but what's there is surprisingly strong and high Mm -hmm. quality and exciting. And so I really cut my teeth there then. Like I, so mm-hmm. I got to do my program my, where I learned about, you know, the search for peace in the nuclear age. And I got fluent in Italian and I studied in Italy, <laughs> and, you know, art history and uh, all these kinds of things. Underwater basket weaving is still what my, uh, my uh, Italian-American family calls my degree. Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> like, yes. Tia, she went, she got a degree in underwater basket weaving. <laughs> So that's what I did. But um but I loved it. And then I like learned how to be a, a real professional actor by getting cast and working with people who were better than me and mm-hmm. directors who were strong and um collaborative, you know, and I lucked out in that way. Um and so yeah, well, it's on a curious the job mind training. kind of thing. I think I think that that's very useful. It's also good advice though in general. I think if mm-hmm. you want to do this, but you don't know what you want to do exactly, mm-hmm. which sounds kind of like where you were at, that you knew you wanted to do this, but you didn't know, like, you didn't want to be an actor. Yeah, yeah. You wanted to do a lot of different things. I think the worst thing you can do is kind of decide to go get the acting degree. Mm -hmm. If you want to be an actor, that's all you want to do. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a composer, if you know exactly what you want to do in this business, then run at that full speed. But if you, like me and like you, kind of want to do all of it a little bit, There's no wrong. The worst thing you can do is pigeonhole yourself That's at eighteen. Too, I love that. Training. There's no yeah. wrong way to go about it. There's no it wrong then. way. I mean, yeah. I have a because you're making it yourself. Then, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have a degree in hope theory. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> and I have a degree in media studies, and it's this. That's the. That's the. The general thing that encompassed all the stuff I wanted to to learn about, mm. and then that's my point of view. And I think that because I use, I'm primarily a writer, you're primarily an actress, yep. but th- we we do a lot of it, do yep. a lot of different things, and so that experience. It's much better that I didn't go study playwriting. Yeah, I didn't. You didn't go study acting. Those, th- like you said, you pick those things up. You can figure out the things you need to know. And if you have a curious mind, you can. If you're somebody who has no trouble learning stuff, mm-hmm. then there's there, you can learn how to audition. Like you say, you can learn what to wear, and you learn so much. If you're also somebody who can take mistakes, yes, <laughs> and internalize them and learn something and move on, then yeah, just go. You know, people, you can literally walk off the street and do what we do if you're a genius. Let me put a caveat in that. But just no, you don't need to go to trade school. You don't need to have a, a stamp of approval from mm-hmm. someplace. Study what you're interested in and then the rest will come, I think, is the sort of yeah. bit. Yeah. And if you want to be, if you know in your heart of hearts you want to be a music theater actor and you get into Tish, go to town. Like oh, that's heck yeah. It. yeah. But yeah. if you don't, if you're a little lost, Study whatever that you're interested in, and the rest will will follow. Yeah. That's a really neat, nice. Yeah, well, I think it totally like has completely informed 
my career and my mm. path forward. And you know, I um, my favorite way to find a character is uh, is you know the, through books and music mm-hmm. and you know and and uh, historical facts I tend to remember. And I don't know, you know, like, like I pull it all together. Oh gosh, this reminds me of a moment from Proust. You know, right. like I just brought Proust <laughs> up the other day. I think when talking about the baby show I'm creating, you know, and like I <laughs> I love that. I love that we all we all create from our wellspring of. Mm-hmm what has excited us in the world. Sure. You know, and I feel like as a parent, you must see this too. Like I really, I've felt like for a few years now, my son's only four and a half, but I've been watching him get better and smarter at the things that excite him. Mm-hmm. So oh, other, so some other things get left behind, sure. But he's a genius at climbing. Yeah. <laughs> he's also, a, he's also got a huge vocabulary and he's a like a, a genius at playing pretend, mm-hmm. you know, but again, but like, Little motor skills or th- fine motor skills are things that like other kids had before him because he didn't care about doing tiny right. things, you know. So yes, at a certain point, like teachers have to help fill you in have those to, blanks. Yes, there are moments where you have to learn how to hold a pencil. Like it's yeah, just part of life. But, but it's still, there's something to those things that excite us from the beginning. You know, as like yeah. a two-year-old, I was watching him care more about some things than others, and so excel in those things. Yeah, you know. And I think I, I remember hearing a few years ago that, you know, if, uh, whatever you loved when you were like seven. That thing that you would do and, and love and engage with on your own, on your own time when you were seven, that should still be part of your life somehow. Because yeah. that's like a key to the, your happy heart, you know? And sure. for me, I was like cutting things out out of paper and making tiny little paper worlds, you know? And so I started like making things again mm-hmm. and I started letting myself be a maker. And I think for a few years there, I felt like, oh, wait, I do love all these different things, but I can't tell people. You know, like if you want to be an actor and have companies think like, oh, she knows what she's doing. You have to say you're just an actor. Mm -hmm. Like I thought that was a thing. And maybe it is, but I'm old enough now that I don't give a boop anymore. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts from the convenience of your iPhone and or check out the original cast on Stitcher if that's how you get down. My thanks to Tia Shira Bassett for coming down and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. I've got you to lean on. We've got you to lean on.